the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Judges. Why wasn't it enough that God had said, I'm going to deliver Midian into your hands? Why was it that Gideon had to overhear those guys talking to get to the place where now he had courage? Again, it's a reflection of our human nature. Sometimes God makes a promise to you and you just can't seem to accept it or receive it or believe it until you kind of get an encouraging word from somebody else. Okay. Well, if that's what it takes, God knew that's what it would take for Gideon. And God was gracious enough. God didn't get upset. God understands that you're human. He understands that you might have times when you need encouragement to keep trusting His promises. Today, you'll get to see with Pastor Gary that that's exactly what happened with Gideon. God chose to work through the life of someone that viewed himself as the least of all the people in his family. When he needed encouragement for the battle he was going to face, God let him have it. He provided for Gideon's needs just like he can do for you, too. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Judges, chapter 7, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. 32,000 Israelites, able-bodied fighting men from four tribes of Israel, show up at the spring of a road. They're ready to fight. And God says to Gideon, you got too many men. Now, we're going to find out later that the Midianites number at least 135,000. 135,000. We're going to find that out in chapter 8. So, with 32,000 fighting 135,000, God says, you got too many. And you got too many because... If you were to defeat this larger army, even though that would be a difficult task, 32,000 against 135,000, you might steal the glory from me. So Gideon, you got to send some of these guys home. The first thing that Gideon is allowed by God to do is just to say to the men, if anybody's afraid, go home. And 22,000 go, I'm going home. 22,000. They decide they're going to go home. They go home. So the ones who are left are the real fighting force. You got 10,000. Well, keep reading. But the Lord said to Gideon, this is verse 4, but the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. Okay, so God's saying to Gideon, I'm going to separate out of the 10,000, I'm going to separate the ones who are supposed to go with you and the ones who are not. 
And this is how he separates them. So, verse 5, so he brought the people down to the water. It's Gideon. He brings the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men, but all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Okay, now, when we go to the Spring of Road on, on our trips to Israel, we usually demonstrate this. So just use your imagination, because there's no water here, I'm not going to put my face in it. But the posture basically is this. You have some of the 10,000 men who would get down and scoop the water with their hands, cup it, and bring it up to their mouths and drink. While other guys would get down on their knees and actually face plant into the stream and drink water. Okay, you got the picture here. So the ones who are cupping their hands and drinking water like that, they are referred to here as the ones who lap water like a dog. Now, sometimes people get this story reversed. You got to look very carefully at the language here. The ones who cup water with their hands and bring it up to their mouths are the 300. And those are the ones who are separated, but those are the ones who are compared to lapping the water like dogs. Look again at verse 5. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue, as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth was 300 men. So those are the ones being compared to a dog. Now, it seems almost reversed because somebody who would get down on their face to drink directly out of the stream would be more like what a dog does. But the Hebrew word for lap is yolach. And yolach is the sound that dogs make when they are lapping water. So you hear, if you have a dog, you know, you know all of that, okay? So the noise of a dog doing all that would be more audible if you're cupping the water, okay, versus if you're planting your face in the water and just sucking it right out of the stream. Okay, a little technicality that probably has no real importance other than this. God separates 300 out of the 10,000. 9,700 guys go home. Out of the 10,000, 9,700 guys go home. You're left with 300 who have lapped up the water, cupping it in their hands. There's been a lot of discussion. You can read different Bible commentaries. Why did God choose to distinguish the men in this way? And so there's all these different kinds of theories. One theory is that the men who kind of crouched and then cupped the water up to their mouths were more alert. They're like, you know, they're not on their face. So those soldiers who are more alert are better fighting men. That's one theory. Another theory is the guys who got down on their knees and drank water directly out of the stream, that's the same posture as the Baal worshipers. And that perhaps it's distinguishing the ones who worshipped Baal from the ones who did not. All kinds of theories. The fact is, we don't know. The truth is, it could have been just very arbitrary that God decided this is the means by which I'm going to separate the 300 guys I want. I mean, I wonder if, in fact, that was God's complete intent 
was just like, all right, the guys who draw water up to their mouths, those are the ones. And meanwhile, theologians are like, well, I think that means because they're more alert as soldiers, or I think that means that the ones who were dealing are the ones who were Baal worshippers. And all the while, God's probably up in heaven going, oy vey, I just wanted to distinguish the 300. <laughs> Yeah, like there, there's no real like secret hidden meaning here. Sometimes we want to find what's the secret hidden meaning. Maybe it's just God chose to get 300 guys this way. That's it. So we don't fully know. But what we do know is what ends up happening. 300 is the total army that Gideon has to fight with. Again, 135,000 Midianites and Gideon's got 300 guys. How do you think you're feeling if you're the leader? <laughs> About now. You're really nervous. You're like, Wow. I hope this is going to work. But, you know, obviously this is creating a great dependence upon God. And I'll have something to say about that at the end, but let's just continue to look at the text here. And so in verse 7 it says, Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Now please take note of that. God has made a direct promise to him right there. By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So 9,700 guys go home. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands. Now, the trumpets, don't think of, you know, brass. The trumpet was the first instrument I learned. I didn't, I didn't really enjoy it very much because I didn't like to read music. Just give me some drumsticks. So I played drums. That's how I, you know, musically. But these are not, bra- this is not a brass instrument. This is the shofar. This is a ram's horn. So they each got a shofar. They each got a ram's horn. They took one in their hands. And he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. And it happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I have delivered it into your hand. Okay, that's the repetition of that promise that God said to him. It's already done. I'm giving you the victory in advance. I'm going to give you Midian into your hands. But look, notice this. Notice how gracious God is. Verse 10. But if you're afraid, you know, if you're wrestling, if you have fears, I love the way that you're going to see here in a moment. God makes allowance for Gideon's normal emotion. You know, sometimes you might think you have to be the super strong person. And yes, of course, we need to fight against fear in our lives. And, you know, perfect love drives out fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And we know those verses, right? We know that fear is not right. But at the same time, God understands our humanity. And he understands our weaknesses. And he understands with Gideon, you're probably afraid right now because I just whittled your army down to 300. And so even though I've told you that I've given you this victory, if you're still afraid, verse 10, if you're still afraid to go down, then go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. And then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. Now, just pause there. I ask you, since he took God up on the offer, what does that mean about Gideon? He's afraid. He's afraid. So he's like, okay, thank you, Lord, for this extra test here. So he goes down with Pura, and he goes to the camp of the Midianites. And it says in verse 12, now... The Midianites and Amalekites, all the people of the east, were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts. 
and their camels were without number as the sand by the seashore in multitude. as a huge, vast army. And when Gideon had come down, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. And he said, I've had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian, and it came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned, and the tent collapsed. Okay, now, picture the scene here. So Gideon is sneaking to the outskirts of the Midianite camp with his servant Purah, and they're listening to a conversation that they just so happen to come upon because God has orchestrated all of this. And it is this Midianite guy. Okay, he's not even an Israelite. He's not even a believer. It's a Midianite guy or an Amalekite, somebody as a part of that army, who is saying to a friend a dream that he had, this dream about a barley loaf. Now, barley was a poor man's bread. That was a grain that only poor people ate. And so it is a picture of Israel. The nation of Israel is oppressed by the Midianites. They are impoverished because of the Midianites. This is a picture of Israel, the Israelites, the barley loaf, rolling into the Midianite camp, striking one of the tents. Okay, so he's telling this dream to his buddy there. And his buddy says in verse 14, then his companion answered and said, he's going to give the interpretation. This is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. So these two Midianite guys are having this conversation. Like, I had this dream of Barney Loaf. I came and hit a tent. I'm not sure what that means. And this other guy is giving the interpretation. He's like, you know what this means? This is the sword of Gideon. Gideon's going to come. This new judge that God has appointed, he's going to destroy us. We're all dead. They're having this conversation, and Gideon and Pura are on the outskirts listening to this. They're eavesdropping. They're hearing this. And guess what happens to Gideon when he hears this? He's like, whoa, they're talking about me. Yo. And I'm going to be the victor here. Wow. You know, and it all goes to his head. Now, you're going to see this with me. Take a look. Verse 15, and so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped. He began to worship God. He just was so, like, excited, and he began to worship God. The Hebrew there is shakah. He began to worship. And he returned to the camp of Israel, and he said, now he's emboldened. Notice this. Arise. He says to his 300 guys, arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Now, stop there for a minute. Why wasn't it enough that God had said that? Why wasn't it enough that God had said, I'm going to deliver Midian into your hands? Why was it that Gideon had to overhear those guys talking to get to the place where now he had courage? Again, it's a reflection of our human nature. Sometimes God makes a promise to you, and you just can't seem to accept it or receive it or believe it until you kind of get an encouraging word from somebody else. Okay. Well, if that's what it takes, God knew that's what it would take for Gideon. And God was gracious enough. God didn't get upset. You know, he could have said, what I say is enough. That's all you need to hear. But God's like, you still afraid? Go down to the camp. I'll give you another opportunity to be encouraged. And so now emboldened, Gideon goes back to his camp. He encourages his 300 men. Arise, we're ready to go. Verse 16 says, Then he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet into every man's hand, the shofar, the ram's horn, with empty pitchers, these are clay pots, and torches inside the pitchers, just so that they could carry them for the moment. 
And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Okay, so he's arming them, but notice, not with a weapon. They have no weapons. There's no swords. There's nothing here except a trumpet in one hand, a ram's horn in one hand, a torch in another, and they have a clay pot or a pitcher. But so that they can carry those three things, they put the torch inside the pitcher. It's unlit for now. And they're just carrying the pitcher with the torch in it, and they've got the ram's horn. And so, keep reading. And so Gideon, is verse 19. And so Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch. This is midnight. This is a very stealthy operation at night under the cover of darkness, but this is what's going to help them to be bold, and this is going to play into the appearance of this huge army here. They're coming in the middle of the night. It's midnight. It's the middle of the watch. Just as they had posted the watch, and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. So this is like this kind of the psychological warfare, right? It's You're going to make a sound, and it's going to freak out the Midianites in the middle of the night. They're going to think that they're being attacked by thousands and thousands of soldiers, the sound of the clay pots breaking, the trumpets blowing, it's going to catch them all off guard. It's a psychological warfare, okay, with the hand of God, obviously, upon all of this. And so, verse 20, then the three companies blew the trumpets, broke the pitchers, they held the torches in their left hands, so now they're lit, and the trumpets in their right hands for blowing, and they cried, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp, and the whole army ran and cried out and fled. And when the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. And the army fled to Beth Acacia toward Zerah as far as the border of Abel-Meholah by Tabah. Now, so what's happening is the Midianites start turning on themselves. I mean, it's dark. You know, they don't know what's going on. They can't tell one enemy from another. They start to slaughter each other. God brings this confusion upon them, and he uses this moment, God does, to bring victory. We're going to find out here in a moment that out of 135,000 Midianites, 120,000 end up killing themselves. There's going to be 15,000 left, and Gideon's going to rout them. But this is what's happening. They're turning on each other. They're fighting. It's confusion. It's complete panic. It says in verse 23, And the men of Israel gathered together from Naphtali, Asher, and all Manasseh, and pursued the Midianites. And then Gideon sent messengers throughout all the mountains of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites, and seize from them the watering places as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. By the way, why is that important? You seize the watering places. Because when you control the source of fresh water, you control the day. This is why it's so important, even in in our modern times, why Israel needs to retain control of the Golan Heights. Because, you know, Syria has wanted to take the Golan Heights. Why? Because the Golan Heights is the headwaters of the Jordan River. The Jordan River is the fresh water supply for the nation of Israel. You control the fresh water supply, you control the country. 
That's why it's important for Israel to retain control of the Golan Heights for their own survival. That's the source of their fresh water supply. And so that's why Gideon says here, go and take all the fresh water sources there. Seize them. It says, then all the men of Ephraim gathered together and seized the watering place as far as Beth Barah and the Jordan. Verse 25, and they captured two princes of the Midianites, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb, and Zeb they killed at the winepress of Zeb. They pursued Midian and brought the heads of Ore and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of the Jordan. There's your trophy for the victory. You might say that these Midianite kings were in over their heads. But anyway, that would probably be inappropriate to say that. They lost their heads on this day. All right. Here's an important thing to take away from this chapter, and it has to do with how God whittled down the army from 32,000 to 10,000 to 300 men. And so as I was taking notes and just kind of praying over this chapter, here's something I wrote, and maybe this will be meaningful to some of you. Sometimes God puts us in the least favorable condition to create the most dependent position on him. And some of you are in one of those least favorable conditions right now. The reason why God wanted to whittle this army down to just a select few was so that Gideon and all of Israel could know that there was no other reason other than the mighty hand of God who did what he did. And sometimes... When God allows us to get in these situations where we have no ability in and of ourselves to change it, it is an opportunity for us to see that this can only be done by the mighty hand of God. And God will sometimes allow us to get in these least favorable conditions so that then it will create the most dependent position upon him. So as difficult as it is, as scary as it is, as fearful as it is, and some of you are in the thick of it right now, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's no other solution for the situation you're in other than God's got to do this. There's no ability that you have, to, and use whatever word, to bring victory to change the situation, to improve it. You have no ability to affect change. This has to be the hand of God so that when that change happens or when the thing improves or when whatever, you will know this is the mighty hand of God. As difficult, as painful, as fearful as it is to be in a place where you feel completely helpless, It is also in another sense, and it's easier said from somebody who's not in the middle of your situation, but just to encourage you as an outsider saying this based on Judges chapter 7. It's also a wonderful place to be because in this sense, it will give you an opportunity to see the mighty hand of God in your life. Don't deny God the opportunity to see his mighty hand at work. Trust him. Trust him. There are reasons sometimes why we get in these predicaments. And sometimes it's our own doing, you know, and God is gracious to get us out of it. And sometimes it's God's doing. 
because He wants you to see His mighty hand. So lean on Him, trust Him, and see the mighty hand of God at work in your life. That's my encouraging word for you today. Our days are sometimes filled with nonstop movement, aren't they? The pastors, staff, and community here at Cornerstone Connection don't want you to miss out on nuggets of wisdom from God's Word. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can connect with us from anywhere. Interested in hearing more? Go to cornerstoneconnection.cc, where Pastor Gary Hamrick has more audio messages for you to tune into. Scroll down until you see the space that says Teaching Library. Once there, we've made it as simple as possible to search by topic, speaker, or book. We pray that you'll be uplifted and encouraged in your walk with Jesus. That website again is cornerstoneconnection.cc. If you're in the Leesburg area, we'd love for you to stop by. We have Sunday services at 8.30, 10, and 11.45. Is the middle of your week more free? Come join us on Wednesday evenings then at 7. Were you blessed by what you heard today? Would you consider donating some of your resources? If so, it's pretty simple. You can use our mobile app or click on the Give Now tab found at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but we look forward to our next time together right here on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.